Dee's circling again. Fritch comes thundering out in the lines. Play on the call. Here's Bedford from the pocket with the banana. Oh, yes! Pickett knocked white. Follows up. Taken down. Not taken down. Steps through and goals. Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for D's fans, by D's fans, as we hold on for dear life aboard the rollercoaster ride that is Barracken for the Melbourne Football Club. This episode is proudly brought to you by our sponsors, Hop In Brewing and Valley Electrical Group. My name is Tim and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Simo. Mate, how are we doing? D's are back on top. We're rolling again. Everything just seemed to sort of fit in perfectly and came back with a huge response on Thursday night. That we did, man. And I tell you what, it's been a while since we've uh, we've recorded, isn't it? Yeah, yeah a few weeks off. Too nice and refreshing too. <laughs> but to yeah, to get away from all the craziness that was the end of term two it was, yeah, it was nice to you know see the D's you know really get back to their best footy on Thursday night. And all, all I can say is, as I said before, it was it was the D's of twenty twenty one. It was the footy would be we've been playing with that seventeen game win streak. It was that manic pressure. It was you know. It, a real team buying, really, and I think it's cliche to say, and it's it's hard to put a finger on it, but Stephen May is the most important player. Oh, I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think he proved that over the last few weeks, just how how crucial he is to our structure down back. And that being said, I still think that the buy obviously helped us a lot. Just reset as a group. You could just see the tenacity that we sort of came out, even though it was a bit of a slower start. That first sort of ten to twelve minutes. Uh, Brisbane easily could have piled on probably three to four goals, and luckily for us, they were pretty inaccurate. Sucks. Inaccurate out, up forward with yeah Danaher not what was it three behinds in the first quarter? I think it was. It might have been one two. He kicked early. Yeah, it did get on to one early. Uh, but yeah, they they were pretty pretty lousy in front of goal early, and then yeah, by the time the second half of the first quarter rolled around, you could just sell, see Melbourne sort of tighten their defence, and as you mentioned, that forward pressure was really up to its full tilt. I think we haven't seen that. And I think that came down a bit to the selection committee as well, to dropping that extra tall. So Mitch Brown going out of the side and seeing Bedford come in and, and seeing his impact on the game, not only from an offensive point of view, but just his pace and his willing to tackle. And yeah, really exciting to pair him up there with Cozzy and Nibbler and Spargo as well too. And you could just see it on the faces of the Brisbane defenders pretty much for the remainder of the game. They just had no idea where to kick to. And like our ability to be able to create a lot of scoring opportunities off the turnovers and just off the pressure was back to our best. We haven't seen that in the last month. We haven't. And I think we scored roughly 50-odd points from turnover as well in our fourth half, which is just nuts. You know, the, the pressure rating was out of this world. And, you know, to touch on Bedford too, mate, he's, he loves it. He loves the sidestepping, loves a fake. I'll tell you what, it's good to see and, you know, adds a bit of zazz and, I'll tell you what, I was getting excited when he was... <laughs> <laughs> oh, especially the one where he just, yeah, goose one and finished on, on the run from 35. I think it was the second quarter. And it was the, just like... Oh, the, the no-look... Oh, the dummy handball. The dummy handball. Was, like, yeah, it, it, he loves it. Quarter. He's good for yeah. it. He's, was it the fourth quarter? He's, yeah, um, yeah he, he absolutely loves it. And then yeah. going back to, you know, that that small that small brigade, but constantly putting on that forward pressure, he's just going to make it easy. You know, I mean, even if he didn't have May in the, in the team... You know, putting that forward pressure on to really nullify their ability to exit um, out of our back line. I think teams have been doing that pretty easily, especially during our three-game losing streak because yeah. we're still getting pretty decent entries inside 50 in terms of numbers, but obviously the value is pretty average. So for us to keep it in, to make it easy to defend as well, 
um, obviously gave us the chance to win the game. That's it. And it was a fantastic game to be at. I managed to, yeah, scoop there after having, yeah, parent-teacher interviews and stuff that night. Well done, mate. Well done. Yeah, no, but as you mentioned, like, I think just the manner in which the goals were kicked, it created a lot of highlights and it was a really fun game to be in the crowd for as well. That whole second half where, you you know, we really put the jets on and we were able to kick most of our goals from stoppages and not a lot were from set shots. So it made for really exciting times to be in the crowd and, and watching all these highlights, you know, talk about Bedford's there, but Cosy Pickett had a couple and, you know. What do you think just, of the Jackson goal? The oh. crowd got up. That was the atmosphere there. I think the, oh, just it, his celebration says it all, doesn't it? Like, it was just, it was great to see him as well too. Like, cap off a, a really great game. Wants, a man that wants 1.5. Wow. He's not dictating, well, he's dictating his price, but he, yeah, it was great to see him sort of cap off a really great game with some reward on the scoreboard as well. But I'm sure we'll have much to chat to him. And yeah. Let's, uh, well, before we spoil anymore, let's get to the things that we love about the game in our very first segment. Credit to the boys. Back into the game, so um, it's real credit to the boys. Um, I think it was on uh, all of us to step up and, and you know, really lead from the front, and I thought we did that all day, so. We want to play our way. Just go after the boys. All right, Simo. Well, it's very hard not to start off this conversation without talking about our stand-in captain, our vice-captain who played arguably the game of his career, I think, in just the stakes on which Melbourne had. Like, it was a backs-to-the-wall victory, a game we had to win, given the past month that everything's happened on and off the field. Our skipper's not in there, Max, our fearless leader, unfortunately, down with injury. Jack motherfucking Viney is my title there because his game was just incredible. I think I have not seen something like that from him. Just his willingness to lead from the front, his contested ball, and we'll talk about that later, but far out, mate. Well, doesn't matter. Watching it on TV up close, it was even probably even more impressive, but you could tell mm. from the stands, even from back there, like how much his impact and everybody just followed underneath him. And it was a great captain's game in which that he set the tone Right from the first quarter, even though those first 10 minutes were a bit shaky, but he set the tone with that. What a performance. Crazy, man. Do you know what? It's it's a weird one because, well, you know, when Petrarca's been a little bit down, obviously, well, his first month was super, but Viney's probably, at the moment, our second best midfielder. And that's that's crazy to think of, you know, the calibre of, of well, top of player Petrarca is. But the, Viney does this. He's been doing this week in, week out. You look at Queen's birthday as well, had 30-plus, 12 tackles as well. He's been manic. And just, just the little things he was doing, he just looked like he was a huge presence. He, the tackles were brute. That, that you know, head drive into Coleman was nuts. I was like, that was like a rugby move. That was nuts. <laughs> just, and, and, and his ball skills have just gone through the roof. We, we've labelled him week in, week out of you know, how well he's actually kicking the footy. As a left footer, I mean, usually left footers are pretty decent kicks, but we know where Jack Viney was with his kicking. It was a bit of a hack to be honest but then <laughs> you look at it now and it, it's amazing how he's evolved and you know he's he's just he's he's a it's the reason why he's one of my favorite players he's just fucking hard at it and he's yeah. just he just typifies you know with gus brachel too he just you know it's exactly who we would like to see as a leader and as a melbourne football player you know real hard at it hard to play against is probably the biggest thing i remember when goody did arrive at the days was we want to be a team to be hard to play against we want teams to fear us we you know and obviously he did that and 
yeah, he made it fucking hard for those Brisbane. He, well, to be honest, he, he intimidated. I reckon he he actually put some shivers into their boots. Yeah, no, he definitely did. He's let's just run through some of his stats here. So he finished off with the thirty-four disposals, nineteen of those contested, which is massive. Cool. Uh, Ten inside fifties, and I think his work going inside fifty as well. So just be able to pull a couple of kicks late and just make those smart decisions going in. He was able to find and create opportunities there. The eight clearances, his ability to be able to crash through some of those packs and just extract the ball and you know exit the contest out the front and be able to sort of get us off on the front foot moving inside and that forward 50 was amazing. The eight score involvements, seven tackles. You mentioned the tackle on Coleman. He had a couple of absolute bone crunches mm. as well too and was able to just do that consistently. And yeah, 579 metres gained, but easily the best on ground by a mile. And it was funny, I was thinking back to what you asked me a couple of weeks ago, is this Jack Viney's best season ever? I, I think now, given given the last probably six weeks run, and you mentioned his performance last uh, two weeks ago at Queen's birthday as well, I think it's shaping up to be. I think it's shaping up to be because, yeah, like they've been that formidable trio with Clary, Track and Viney, but Viney's always been kind of that third rung hasn't he in terms of yeah. the, the he hasn't had his body he hasn't had his body no you know, his body has not held up you know overly well but then now he's getting a real decent crack at it and just he's just reaping the rewards he's playing so freely and yeah it's fucking great to see <laughs> it's a lot of f-bombs going on there is it? a lot of f-bombs i reckon you got to put an e on this episode <laughs> might have to for the listeners might have to no so looking forward to seeing him continue to lead like we're going to be without max for a few weeks so his ability to get up, like he's got that leadership skills, like he's you know he's, he's had that role in the past, and for him to be able to lead the boys on the field with that sort of performance, they're going to be showing footage of his games and like his highlights, and really sort of crediting those in, you know, in the review. And I'm sure I think yeah, there'll be a few local coaches out there that want some advice on how to tackle. Show them a few, show them a few few videos of uh of Jack Viney and how to stand up in the tackle and just being able to, I think even that one against Coleman, like Viney didn't even like take it backwards. Actually, didn't like take it kind of it just drilled his head into his chest. Not even a backward step, and as you mentioned, it led to that Bedford goal. So, yeah, and that was that was post getting kneed up the ass, wasn't it? Too, he, he cut the knee in the, in the glute. In the yeah, he did, he did. Which yeah, it's like all. like it's funny. I think. It was, I wouldn't say it was clear from the stands. Like he sort of thought, oh no, was, he's done a hammy. And I think they sort of mentioned that on the on the telecast as well too. But yeah, you can see with the replay, that was just a big knee in the back there. So I'm sure he'll be a little bit a little bit sore this week. But no, amazing game from Jack. But yeah, what about what about you, mate? What was what was something else that really stood out to you? Well, I said it at the start of the podcast, and that's the team defense and the mindset. You know, we got back to our best footy purely based on pressure and that you know that obviously enabled the players like Jake Lever, Stephen May to intercept it was yeah it was just by having that matic pressure you know, I mean you got these smalls like Bedford Cos, Spargo, Nibble and even your Sparrows and everything they're just putting manic pressure on um, to enable us to get the turnover and get a quick score I mean you see if we haven't got that then we don't have those fast entries forward forward to 50 so yeah, once that pressure's on, we're able to get the quick turnover, hit targets, and then have a cleaner entry inside 50. That's right. And I think you mentioned it earlier, but I, we scored over 50. It might have been 55 points in turnovers. And and I think we were sitting at about 30 points at half time. So we were able to bring that and create more scoring opportunities. And I think 
a smaller forward line did kind of give us a bit of a different look and we'd know Max as well down there our big forwards I did think Benny Brown actually played a pretty good first quarter got his hands on the ball a little bit and looked looked relatively active early I think it sort of faded out out to the game but yeah. in... he did get beat by Harris Andrews but at least he looked like he was making a contest I mean I think I mean yeah with those one-on-one jostle jostles obviously got beaten but I think he got back to better footy. I mean, he probably had more disposals, to be honest, in the last three weeks in that game compared to these three weeks combined. Yeah. So I did. I don't think Ben Brown even kicked a goal in those three games. But he, I think he won, didn't he? he? Won one three. On he could have kicked more. But it's opportunity, and he actually was getting those opportunities which he hadn't been. So yeah, I mean that again that comes with that forward pressure to enable him to get an easy run and jump at the footy as opposed to contesting against two or three defenders like he had to do against Collingwood. You look at the full pressure and what it created. I mean, 37 scoring shots. Uh, we haven't had that. I, I can't remember the last time where we've had that many opportunities to get the ball in. Our efficiency going forward was much much more improved. So 57% going in from 62 entries. So that's, that's pretty impressive there. And I think also talking about that pressure, Brisbane have a pretty good knack of being able to score from half back and like, like what Melbourne do in, in the way that their chain start from half half back and, and Daniel Rich is a pretty big part of that and he played pretty well. But, he played well. Mm. But Brisbane did only score two goals from the defensive half. So that's their second lowest total this season and I think we can really credit that too and we touched on it before but our back six and I think the likes of Petty having May back in there we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit later as well as Lever but yeah our ability to just kind of negate they're tall forwards because they are quite tall heading up forward. But like Hipwood, Danaher didn't really have an impact in the game. Even though they had a bit of the ball early, they didn't capitalise on their opportunities going forward. And unfortunately, after that first quarter, they didn't really look like they were getting a look in. So I think that full pressure, we haven't seen that all season. And I think we talked about last week or a couple of weeks ago that Melbourne's pressure, given last last year... We were number one in the comp, and we dropped to seventeenth. I think. It's, I think it's nuts, isn't it? Yeah. And look, to be honest, we show we've shown glimpses of this, and this is when we've had our big runs, especially in the first ten weeks, when that our footy was back to our best. We had quarters where we we're kicking five, six goals to nothing, and I mean, if we're getting four quarters of that, which I reckon we got three quarters of that on Thursday night. Obviously, first quarter, you know, obviously it was okay. But then the, the pressure just ramped up and then our, def, our defence was just unreal. And to keep a side like Brisbane, who are the top scoring side in the competition, I think averaging over just over 100, 103 or something, to keep them to around the 50 mark, it's, it's pretty unreal. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, I think you've got to look at it as a whole team. And you mentioned it before, a whole team buying. But I think we can highlight individual performances, but just some of the... The roles that some of our players played on the weekend at really pivotal moments really kind of contributed to that victory because I think looking at after those first 10 minutes where Brisbane was sort of all over us, you know, we we're probably lucky heading into quarter time with only being down six points. But I think like Jordan and Sparrow early put in some fantastic efforts. I mean, we talked about how much we loved Jimmy Jordan's game and his, his development this season has been amazing. He's really owning that wing position and, and also showing that, I mean, he kicked two goals in that second He's starting to kick well, goals, too. isn't he? Yeah. yeah his so, last few weeks, he's got on the scoreboard. So. Even even though he's, uh, that second one was a 50-meter penalty. You I think Harmsy's job on Lockie Neal. So Lockie Neal had a pretty... Pretty good uh, opening term. You look at him, he had the eight touches, four clearances and four score involvements all in that first quarter. And then Harmsy 
went to him second quarter and pretty much for the rest of the game negated any sort of influence because he is such a damaging player. How mate, how good is having that rollback? I mean, you you see how much you know tagging's kind of gone out of the game, but I tell you what, when Harms has got those, yeah, you know, he's got some scalps behind him, hasn't he? Yeah, you know, when he's able yeah. to really lock down a player and yeah, he's actually a better play for it, to be honest. He makes it, to be honest, it makes him more accountable. But I think his pressure is pretty good anyway. But yeah, definitely makes him more accountable. And he actually hurts teams the other way as well. I mean, he kicked that, you know, that ripping goal as well. And yeah, he was just, he just, when he got it, he looked like he was going to, you know, give us a chance to score. So yeah, kudos to him. He had a ripping game, locking down Neil and then getting touches himself. Yeah, I, like it is. You're right. It really gets back to his best footy. And, and you go back a few years where he was week after week going after the opposition's best midfielder or, you know, whichever player they were targeting. But he was not only able to, yeah, lock down that player, but also win a lot of the ball himself and, and have a bit of a run the other way. And, yeah, we'd like to see that if that if those opportunities are there, that's a role that he's flourished in in the past, which you'd love to see him get back to. I thought Hibbard's role on Charlie oh, yeah. Cameron is just amazing. I think probably will go under the radar a little bit given yep. Viney's performance and I think Lever's performance as well too. But I mentioned to you earlier, I just think like Hibbard, I think we just look like a better team with Hibbard in the side. And um, yeah, unfortunately for Hunty. Experience. Yeah, Hunty and Rivers. There's two of us. There's two yeah. of them that are, you know, well, obviously Hunt didn't make the grand final side, but Hunt was in our best 22 first 18 rounds of last year. And then, you know, he's been a pretty solid contributor in terms of locking down small defenders. But yeah, Hibbert does not miss the bay. I mean, he got beaten in the last quarter against Elliot, but his game against Charlie Cameron normally dominates us. So, you know, for him to be able to lock down Charlie Cameron, we saw um, in the finals where Cameron kicked, I think, four or five. Um, you know, he had a bit of an off day, but for him to respond and keep him goalless was um, exceptional. Yeah. Charlie Cameron only got touches on, you know, half back line or on the wing. So, yeah. Obviously, he's you know creating a bit of problems for him, or yeah, getting under his skin, and yeah, can and it's keeping those two boys out, which is you know a shame. I love Trent Rivers, and you know I love Jaden Hunt's run. Obviously, it's you know few and far between between how often he actually does it. Um, but you know he was that real steady head, and you know we know what we're going to get. I mean, we might only get him for maybe one more year. This could be his last year. Could be his final crack at it. So um, yeah, full props to him, and hopefully he continues his good form. Uh, contested ball, huge. Huge, we you know, like coming up against Brisbane and like the brute force. Now they were missing a couple of players in Zorko and Zach Bailey as well too. But you know, we're missing Maxi. I think they sort of even each other out there. But yeah. the different differential in the contested ball, like D's plus thirty eight, is just almost unheard of. Like, yeah, we're we're generally you know, we're heralded for our contested ball, and we have some great individual players that can do that. But when you're looking at that, that's that's insane. If you're not winning the contest, then you're not giving your side the opportunity to move the ball forward to create scoring opportunities, and you're always going to be on the back foot. So to see us be so heavily in favour of that, it kind of it really dictates how the rest of the game played out because the game was on our terms. Jack Viney was a big big contributor of that. I mean, you look at the contested possessions from our our boys. You got Clary had 21, Jack Viney had 19, Track had 14, Brayshaw had 11. And Jackson Lever had ten. So what's that? You know, five players in double figures with contested possessions is and 170 in general is is massive. No, oh, it's huge. And obviously, if you're winning the foot, you know, winning right the call face, you know, you're getting giving your forwards an opportunity as well. And you know, we we thrive on the contested footy. It's it's our brand. It's you know, Goody labels it all the time. It's our brand. You know, let's talk about Jackson because 
these midfielders wouldn't have the opportunity without Jackson in there. And I think Jackson was essentially, a, you know, that extra midfielder as well. I mean, he was able to have 21 touches and not to mention nine tackles, mate. He was, he was exceptional and, you know, topped it off with a nice little goal as well. And yeah, just his efforts around the ground. I mean, he might not have got that many hit outs, but it shows if Max does go down, we've got the cattle to, to cover him, um, which, you know, we haven't had in the past. And, yeah, some people were calling for Magic Door to come in the side, but I was like, he's injured. What, what are we going to do? But, um, yeah, full props to where Ruck Brigade that really even the contest. Yeah, and he had a pretty formidable opponent in uh, the big O, and I think he, he certainly had his own big influence on the game as well too. Like I think Oscar McInerney, I think he might have had 10 clearances or something in the end as well too. So he got up on the hitouts, but Dogger just gives us a bit of a different look in the middle, and Unique. he's a different Ruckman to Maxi. And you mentioned, like, whilst he's, he might not get the hitouts, his ability to be able to follow up straight away. And Max Max does do this to a degree, but it's not at the same level I don't think that Jackson does. Like, I think the 10 tackles is High huge. quality. Yeah, his ability to be able to run through and be that extra midfielder, as you mentioned. Even he had, like, an incredible field kick. When was it? Um, oh, to hit, hit up Spargo in the last quarter, and, and that led to the Cozzy running into an open goal almost. But... Yeah, he, he's just, again, developing, proving his value, but it's great to see him, I suppose, in what was very much highlighted is not an audition, but to see what he would look like running out a full game as the number one ruckman. Now, he did say that his, his legs were pretty much cooked in that last quarter, and I think the, the conditioning side of things will be something that he continues to work on. But, no, very yeah, much impressive. Mate. It's only 21. Yeah, that's right. So I think his celebration and the goal said it all. What about Weed? So I think Weed's in that backup role. Where did you see think, him at? I think he his performance went really under under the the radar. I think he's he the hard thing for Weeds is like he's like a plug. You know, he's he's filling all the plugs. He's and it's unfortunate because obviously if we've got you know going back, he goes out of the side. Obviously, he's in a position where good form sometimes is even going to kick him out of the side. I remember when he got dropped the last time, he had a really solid performance. I'm just trying to remember who was against, but he, he his game before he got dropped was quite strong, actually, I thought. And for him to go out just because of the cattle coming back in is just unfortunate, but I think he definitely held his own. He He's actually quite clean. I, I think I really rate him as a second ruck. I mean, I know he does it a fair bit. Um, in the twos. Um, so he's a backup ruckman behind Mad Jack usually. And yeah, for him to to come in and I th- felt like when he had his opportunity, he was clean. His his hands were solid. He was, you know, a one-take player, which I mean, sometimes we're not always see, but not only that, but also in the air, he was able to contest and, you know, win that five-meter battle and give our smalls an opportunity at ground level. One big player and we haven't seen him all year. And that's su- the Superman with May. That's Clark Kent without him. That's Jake Lever. Jake Lever was back to his All-Australian best, mate. He, the 20 touches, but eight intercept marks. Now, I must say, I don't know if you noticed this too much or the you know, people you've spoken to, but do you, do you notice what May does for Lever in contest? Well, just I think his ability to be able to put a body on Lee's, um, Lever's opponent and allow Lever to fly in and take the mark. And that's, that's where they've been at their dynamic best is that they work really well in tandem and, May's ability to be able to do that without giving away a free kick. Like, it does it legally. It doesn't block the player. It doesn't allow them, you know, but it doesn't allow them to get a run at the footy. And, yeah, I think that that's, that's what I noticed. Is that is that what you're alluding to? Bloody amazing to see. It's, you know, it's two players that were in the All-Australian squad last year. And, obviously, there's a reason for it. And that's a reason 
um, as to why we did so well. It's a team defense, but it starts with these two. I mean, they're the most vocal on the field, especially Jake Lever. Um, I mean, people just need to tell him to shut up. I've, I mean, a few players have said that because <laughs> he loves to chat. And then, you know, I mean, good to him because he obviously sets us up down there and, you know, he and May play that sort of goalkeeper role. But, you know, they propel a lot of our offense. You know, if they get these intercept possessions, I mean, we're getting the footy back in our hands and we're trying to propel it forward really fast. So, yeah, um, yeah. by having that back, that obviously comes with forward pressure up the field. So, yeah, team defense, team buying provides wins. That's it. I think the biggest difference, and like Lever's been building, I think, over the last month, like slowly building, but the contested intercept possessions is what we haven't no. seen this year. Like his ability to fly through the air and take marks, you know, bracing and sort of absorbing contact and being able to hold on to him because he hasn't been clunking him. That's the he's thing. Been fumbly, he's, he's, he's been fumbly, hasn't he? He's been really yeah. fumbly. I don't know if it's a lack of confidence, but yeah, he's just been super fumbly. But he was just a one. He was a one take player, and a lot of our players regained that form on Thursday night. It was. Yeah, just have one take. And it, it's amazing how much that changes the dynamic of what's going on upfield. It's, uh, you know, you see it in all types of, you know, footy. You don't, you don't win if, you, if you're fumbling the ball. It's as simple as that. And if we're, if we're clean, then good luck trying to knock us off. All right, Simo, well, we've covered the things we love, but now we've got to touch on the things that we need to improve on in our next segment. Pretty pissed off. Pretty, I'm pretty pissed. I'm pretty pissed off still. Um, it's not good enough. That's very unlike the way we've been playing, and something that we'll obviously review and get better at. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's not good enough today. Um, this team, this club's got to start winning games. It's uh, it's hard to find a couple of things in this game. It's been yeah, it's going to be a pretty short segment, and I think that's very shortest uh, <laughs> of the year. What I thought. I'd say so. I'd say so. Let's just start off with the first quarter. Like we were a bit slow getting out the blocks, and Brisbane sort of owned the footy a fair bit in that one. But there's a clear incident that I'm sure a lot of D's fans would be feeling the same way as I was. Fritter's non-handball to Petrarca in the first quarter, running into goal. It's just a huge no-no. Like Fritter must have had the blinders on and didn't see him coming forward and got pinged for holding the ball, which would have been a certain goal. It was, yeah, I, I don't know. It, Track didn't give him a spray, but he sort of looked at him dumbfounded, sort of thinking, why? <laughs> what were you thinking? Like, it was just, yeah, split second, like, error of judgment from Fritter, but... I don't know, sometimes, and even, even in other games, and there was probably points later in the game as well too, where he does kind of, you can kind of see, he just gets that goal fever and he, his, his eyes are zoned in on between the big sticks and not always, not always the most unselfish player. He doesn't mind having a snap here and there. And I'd say nine times out of ten, you're willing to give him that, but that one was a, was a clear handball. And I'm sure if he had his time again, he'd be making a different decision. That's true. That wasn't the only time, poor Frida. He's the other one I noticed in the second quarter from the boundary. Bloke in a goal square, as in a Brisbane defender, and he goes for a dribble kick. I mean, it went through the points anyway, but, you know, just just centre it, mate. Just, you know, either centre it or, you know, give it some elevation because I'll tell you what, you know, if you're able to bring that sort of into a game and that unselfishness sort of stuff. I mean, that will, you know, that could easily be a two goal swing. So there's, there's two instances for it. So <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, bring it to the fray. But then again, we, we want you to be yourself. So keep kicking goals, mate, cause you're doing super. The other one I want to touch on is the inaccuracy, I suppose, you know, having those, you know, blasting away shots at goal. I mean, a few would have been, you know, rushed and everything, but 16, 21, I mean, obviously, you know, 37 shots on goal, but, you know, if we could change it around to 21-16 even, like, I mean, our 
goalkeeping accuracy it has to be under 50 percent this year i mean we've kicked a lot of, a lot of points it'll be nice to uh to kick straight just a little little thing in it yeah uh, no that's right well 64 point win and yeah easily probably could have been an 80 point win i think chris fagan sort of commented on that in his post game yeah, that should have lost well, by 100 <laughs> that's what he said it should have been 100 but yeah i mean I'm sure it's one of those things we work on. But if you're, if you're playing that sort of chaos footy, I mean, a lot of times you are going to get some pretty scrappy shots on goal. So, yeah, it's a matter of us yeah, making the most of our opportunities. It's a hop and delightful display player of the year award time. And it's something we haven't done for a while. And look, you've got something that's pretty exciting. But I'm gonna do you know what? Let's let's go with the leaderboards. You've got a leaderboard for us. I do. I do. Holy uh, mackerel. Well, do we want to do it now or do we want to add it on after we I'll go on? Actually, yeah, add it on. Add it on. Let's yeah. go one game at a time. So obviously not having the Collingwood game results for you yet. So I'll go first. One vote goes to a player that just came back into the side. I uh, was able to have 22 touches, and I thought Michael Hibbert was solid on return. I mean, yes, his last quarter wasn't amazing, but I thought his composure down back was really solid. Yeah, so I gave my one vote to Viney. I think, again, he's just been building upon his fantastic six, eight weeks of amazing footing and in a losing side. He was still somebody that could hold his head high, being able to be yeah crucial at the contest and winning the contested ball. Yeah, I've been stiff on him there. But um, my, my two votes goes to Brayshaw. I thought Brayshaw mopped up really well off halfback. And, you know, if we didn't have him, we probably would have lost by more, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, he had a quite solid game. My two votes goes to Brayshaw also as well too. I think, yeah, again, with Salem coming back into the fold, Brayshaw still being able to flourish and keep having that massive impact down back. And I don't think you'd be moving in there at all. So, no, two, two goes to Gussie Brayshaw there as well. Nice one, mate. Uh, my three votes is pretty clear cut. Clayton Oliver, um, huge day. I mean, obviously won the medal, nil down her trophy. Um, much to Mason Cox and the Collingwood fans dismay, but yeah, forty three touches. He was, um, yeah, he was, he was exceptional. Um, just hope, just wish we had more players um, like him and Viney and well, Brayshaw. They're probably really the three, four only ones that really stood out. Everyone else was a bit of bit of a passenger, so. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Brisbane game, we're back on track. But, yeah, who have you got for three? Yeah, I've got Oliver there for three as well. Hard not to go past him. And I think just as well, like his disposal count, it's they're not nothing touches as well too. Like they're, mm. they're having an impact. And, you know, at times probably in previous seasons where he's been able to collate a lot of the ball but not necessarily have an impact with it, that's something that he's certainly taken to the next level. So I have three votes for him there as well. All right, so getting onto the Brisbane game now, mate. Let's, uh, yeah, let's run it off. All right, first, first is my one vote goes to Jackson. I thought, obviously, with the biggest thing with Gorn being out, you know, it was unknown what we're going to sort of get out of him and Wiedemann, but I thought Jackson was super. Um, biggest thing I took out of was the nine tackles, so obviously the follow-up work was exceptional. I gave one vote to James Harms. I just think that his ability to lock down on Lockie Neal after that first quarter, who he, he did look threatening and, and has been known to break games open and can hit the scoreboard as well too. I think Harms' job on him really sort of nullified his influence on the game and was able to get a bit of the ball himself and kick a goal as well. So that's always a bonus there. I actually reckon that has to be the most underrated vote 
of the season. Um, that I've it's just slipped through the keeper there. I mean, Lockie Neal is potential Brownlow medalist, and he's kept him to fourteen after court time. It's pretty unreal. Um, two votes go to Viney. Um, I mean, hard to sort of not give him the three, but just the work he was doing. I mean, we've touched on it enough. Viney, just just mongrel bastard. I love him. So my two votes goes to Jake Lever. I think very hard to split a couple of the top performers in that game, but I, I think he was just back to his best. You mentioned it earlier. I think back to intercepting the ball, absorbing contact, and having his buddy May back in there just frees him up to be to allow him to do that. So great to see him get some confidence back and and yeah, get back into some all Australian form because he's yeah a huge part of what we do down back there. Hundred percent. And to follow on that, Jake Lever's getting my three votes. He. Um, as a defender myself, um, I just know the value of what he provided. Obviously, with Stephen May back in the side, he was able to flourish and just become his, you know, his natural self. And you know, the way he did it was just exceptional. No, nah, fantastic. And well, hard for me not to go past Jack Vaughan's performance. I think you heard it up the top of the pod there how much that he just drove that team to victory and, and led from the forefront in you know a stand-in captaincy role and. Yeah, love him his season and hopefully, yeah, looking forward to seeing him. More of that mongrel bastard as the weeks come and leading into the finals. All right, Simo, what we do, we have the delightful display leaderboard after round 15. We have, sitting on top of the votes at the moment, we have Jack Viney with 25, who's in a comfortable, comfortable lead. Yeah, a couple because, big weeks. Yeah, so especially given that, you know, 3 two, one and had a big couple of weeks, he's yeah, accrued, I think, in the last two weeks, but he accrued about... I think six or eight points. So, yeah, so big lead there. Commanding lead over our number two, which is Clayton Oliver, who, again, still himself is um, having a terrific season. He's second on 15. Gussie Brayshaw comes in third on 14 votes. We have ties for fourth and fifth. So, fourth, we have a tie between Cozy Pickett and Tommy Sparrow, sitting both on 11 votes. And then a tie for fifth with Max Gorn, and James Jordan on nine votes. Oh boy, so that, there he is. That rounds, out, that rounds out our top five. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be tight to see if anyone can catch Viney. I think he could be looking the... Uh, he's looking pretty good. The 10-vote lead is, uh, is pretty comfortable there to see whether... Going to have to Oliver mix it up, would... mate. <laughs> well, he's now rated. He's, he's too highly rated now. I'm just going <laughs> to mix it up. All right, Samo. Well, we are the podcast for D's fans, by D's fans, and we wouldn't be here without our loyal listeners. And now we're going to hear their talking points on the game in our next segment, Fugazi. People only commenting on what they see, um, but internally, it's Fugazi. Can you do with your best uh, Matthew McConaughey impression from the <laughs> No, I can't, but it's, uh, it's goes something like Fugazi, it's Woozy, it's Wazi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Simo. Well, talking points. Let's see what our fans had to hear from our big victory against Brisbane on Thursday night at the G. First one comes in from NZ N7HQT. So off Twitter, says May's importance to the structure of this team. He allows others to play their roles more effectively. The forward pressure flows off from this. And I think, yeah, what first game Maisie's played in nearly a month. And we just saw, we talked about with Lever about his effectiveness and his ability to unlock his potential down there and allow him to play his role. So no, definitely massive there. Perfect. Our next one comes in from Bill Tobin. If we bring that intensity for four quarters, we'll win the flag again this year. And look, to be honest, if we do play our best footy, then that is a high possibility. It's just a matter of, you know, hitting the straps at the right time. And 
you know, if this is a building block for what, what we're going to see for the rest of the season, then you know, we'll give ourselves a really good chance. Next one comes in from Scrub64. His tweet to us, Jack Viney, that is all. I think that says it all, doesn't it? Clear <laughs> cut, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yep. Next one comes in from Warren Stamp. Um, love seeing their pressure game back. And look, we've labelled on it. It's something we haven't seen consistently this year. We've seen it in spits and spades, um, especially when we put big runs on. But yeah, definitely that second, third and fourth quarter will definitely back to our best. And our last one comes in from KJ Bigger, who says, we got the win, the pressure was up, and Viney, they're all big things. But for me, probably the first look at a full game of Jackson rucking. His tap work wasn't great, but it's literally like having another mid once the ball hits the deck. So he's nine tackles and interested to see a few more weeks. Sort of, yeah, echoes what we were chatting about before. It'll be interesting to see his development. Having those few games experience as number one ruck, I think will really be a crucial part in how he continues to develop his ruck craft and, and how he can impact the game all around the ground as well too because they're big shoes to fill. 100%. I think you'll get one more goal there. I think Gorney will be back probably Geelong game, I reckon, I'm calling. So he loves those big games at the Cattery. So hopefully another nice little snag after, after the siren. That's a pretty quick turnaround, isn't it? It is. Well, it was three to five, three to five. So he's missed. So he's obviously missed the one, but also had the buy in between. So there's two weeks and then you've got three... Adelaide, and then by the time that hits, you know, smack bang in the middle of the three to five. So four, four weeks, but, you know, he said he's trying to play this week. Um, I don't know if you heard. So, I mean, ideally playing against the Crows, um, I think giving him one more week and a chance for, for Wiedemann to really, you know, fill the void as well, as well as Jackson, obviously. But, yeah, giving him another run would be really, really pivotal, I think, going, moving forward. Obviously, it's a hard one because we want to be a bit smaller. But, yeah, for Weed's sake, hopefully he uh, gets another crack. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that, like, yeah, Maxie, as much as he would want to be out there and be out there leading the boys, like, I think that the club, I think, take this opportunity to get a little bit of rest into him, you know, not resting him too much, but, like, there's no need to rush him back. If if Jackson, exactly. if, if our performance is keeping up, like, if it continues the way that what happened on Thursday night, there's no need to rush him back early. Now, all, all for him coming back when he's ready, and I'm sure he's chomping at the bit, waiting to get out there on the field. But at the same time, you've, you've got that asset in Jackson and you've got these backups in Wiedemann who can do that second stint in the ruck and still have that impact around the ground. Like, Have that rest because Maxi is on the other end of 30 years old. We want him to really be at his fit and firing best come September. So, yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully they can come to an agreement about what's going to what's going to work out and how they're going to balance that act heading into late in the season. Uh, we're, we're pleased with where we sit. We understand there's going to be some hype around how we're playing, but we also want to just take it you know, one week at a time. And, and coaches say that a lot and, and people, and it's just the reality. You can't look too far ahead. Right, mate, my favourite time. It's one week at a time. It is, look, happy hunting ground. We love the Adelaide Oval. Um, not so much last year against this team, though. Anyway, moving on. Crows won five games this year, so they you know, haven't been amazing. 4.30 Saturday, Adelaide Oval, as I said, happy hunting ground. It's obviously a, a sacred place in terms of what we were able to deliver last year um, against Brisbane. I um, mean, that qualifying final, but also at different spades. I mean, obviously against Port Adelaide last year, nice solid win. So stopping Tex is probably the biggest one. He's in some pretty decent form, uh, goal kicking form that is too. Um, Roy Laird's just got it on a string as well. So I think 
you know, the potential for harms to nullify what Roy Laird's doing as well could be, you know, pivotal moving forward. I mean, I don't know if you can remember, Tim, but the, that Clayton Oliver goal at Adelaide Oval against the Crows years ago, that was... <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean, do I remember? He's got his own pocket named after him down there. <laughs> well, look, to be honest, Clayton Oliver's got some a seriously scary record at the Adelaide Oval, and I think he's just going to go just whack. Like, if you're a super coacher... I think the captaincy on on Clayton Oliver, or if I mean, if you you're playing it quite smart, Lockie Neal or McRae vice captain, but Clayton Oliver captain, he's going to explode against Adelaide. And yeah, what's your what's your take, mate? It's 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 a hard one because I mean the Crows are okay at times, but they've also yeah had some mediocre performance as well. But yeah, you're right. I think that being very familiar with the ground, having a great record there, I think yeah they're coming off a. I suppose a, a standard victory against North Melbourne North. yesterday, you know. But I think you look at, I think Tex Walker's got to be the number one where you got to look after. I mean, Darcy Fogarty, I mean, they got 10 goals between their two big fours yesterday. I think locking down those two. Fogarty's been one of those players that over the years, very up and down, in and out of the side, but has a heap of potential. So I, I think mm. that, yeah, like with May, will be getting the job on Tex. You would say so, uh, but maybe Petty is one of the ones that, that goes to lock up Fogarty as well because I'd say they'd keep both of those in the side. Our midfield and our forward line should be able to wreak a fair bit of havoc on there. Like, yeah. yeah, midfielders, you, you talked about, I think Jordan Dawson's probably someone we've got to look out for as well. So yeah, he's probably he's been one of their, back. Yeah, their, he's shining been lights, mm. their shining lights for them this season. But besides from that, I think Melbourne's going to go in with the mindset, and I know that they do, respect the opposition, go in there like we're playing anyone and execute our game plan, and I think we will have no worries. I can't see us having any changes to the to the personnel. I think you keep the same team. I don't think there's any need to bring that extra tool back in. I think we saw the success no. that that, mm. that smaller forward line had last week, so I think we keep running with that. Yeah, exactly. And I think winning, you know, winning formula is, you know, a good formula. And especially knowing that we've got a 10 day break, obviously, give the chance to players to refresh. And yeah, hopefully, we give, or well, if Max Gorn's right, I still want him to to have the rest on the weekend. It's just one of those things where it's in dysmosis. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to rush back. I mean, I know, was it Sam Sam Walsh? And there was another player that had a syndesmosis injury across across you know just before the start of the season. And you just you just fear that if you bring him back too early, it could hamper them. I mean, you know, especially Max. You know the size of him. You know, ankles are really really dodgy for a big man. I, I just feel it's a hard one because obviously if he's right to play, he's he's going to be he's going to be coming. He's going to be selected. He's going to be back in that side and you know probably Weedman would go out unfortunately because I thought Weedman was super, but the potential of Gorn coming back in is probably the only one I can see potentially happening. Otherwise, we go on change. We go to Adelaide Oval with that good record and, you know, we continue with our merry way because there's some teams champing on our heels, mate. They're um, going to be a bloody exciting finish to the season, mate. It's, it's uh, yeah, we've just got to, you know, whoever we're playing, just respect it, um, get the win and then, yeah, carry on to the next week. Yeah. That's right. That's right. It is. This is probably our, well, it's our only game against a team that's not in contention for finals. So it's one that we've just got to get on the board. And I think that we will do that comfortably by around about 40 points. Nice one. Yeah, I'll probably go with about 25 to 30. I reckon they'll, you know, they'll contest. Yeah, I think it will just be too strong in the end as well. All right, 
Simo, well, that does it for another week. It's been, yeah, it's been nice to have a couple of weeks off. I think both you, me, and the footy club have had a bit of a refresher. It's been nice to kind of yeah, definitely. gather our wits and I know you're sort of having a bit of a cold today and I'm recovering from a bloody bee swarm attack, which poor is bugger. bizarre in itself. It's a, a situation, but it's, yeah, been one of those things where the last couple of weeks for... For all of us, it's been pretty hectic and and it's been nice now to hopefully have a bit of a break and let things settle down and most importantly, watch the D's play some fantastic footy and I think Thursday night was a great step in the right direction and we want to continue to see that this week against Adelaide and rolling forward to the rest of the season. Don't forget, you can subscribe, rate and review our podcast on any of your favourite podcast platforms. A big thanks to our sponsors in Hopham Brewing and Valley Electrical Group. And just a quick plug, I also had a chance to speak to Donnie Hess. So Donnie is a podcaster and a head coach of a US AFL team, the Des Moines Roosters over in Iowa. And yeah, we're going to be releasing his chat. I got to chat to him earlier today. Great insight to what AFL looks like over in the US and to sort of see his football journey about how he was introduced to the game and not only being a head coach, but also a fellow podcaster and a big Sydney Swan supporter, and it was a great chat to him to see uh, to see what his story was and, and, and how footy's perceived abroad. So make sure you check that out as well. But Simo, mate, thanks again as always. Any any parting words? Uh, yeah, make sure you have an unbelievable holidays. Oh, nice one. I see what you did there. Yeah, well, <laughs> swell, swelling's definitely going down. I did look like the elephant man uh, yesterday. Bear grills, some may say. Bit bear of bear grills. Yeah, yeah. No, it was... Truly horrifying, but <laughs> it's uh, at least there were bees and not wasps. I think that could have been a lot worse. So, I'll more importantly, called... more importantly, sorry to cut you off there. What are you doing? Are you, where are you watching the game on the weekend? I haven't even thought that far ahead. <laughs> I'll worry about that at the end of this week. That's it. All right, yeah. mate. <laughs> All right, but more importantly, on that note, go the D's. Go the D's.